Okay, guys, welcome to Generative Energy Podcast number 70, Ray Pete, Georgie Dinkov. Ray, I just interrupted you, but we were talking before about like what what did you what was your take on uh Australia? And I thought you had an interesting take that I take that I really haven't heard before. So I thought everybody would enjoy that. Uh, for, for several decades, it has seemed that they've been heavily manipulated by the CIA or, or uh, who, whoever the the world manipulators are, uh, and so uh, I, I see their extreme uh, 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 reactions as being a test case for uh, how fast they can get away with imposing stuff on on different parts of the world, but I, I think the reaction there is strong enough that maybe they're going to hold back and think of something a little less crude for the U.S. and Europe. And then we also talked about, I told you I was a little confused on why like, in, uh, the power elites would want to turn the U.S. into a third world country. And we were talking about just the possibility that the, the citizenry, citizenry of the U.S. are the last remaining threat to the the power elite. And once they were subdued, they could do all their illicit, weird activities uh, without any interruption. Uh, yeah. In one of her recent videos, uh, Lee Merritt, uh, uh, an anti-vax uh, physician, uh, she said that uh, in her state, uh, the number of people uh, who own guns would be the equivalent of, I forgot what it was, the fifth largest army in the world. <laughs> what? Why do you think? They don't simply own guns. They also regularly shoot them. Um, so, so they're, they're, well, maybe they're not on par with a, with an active military, but they can put up a, probably a pretty decent resistance if things really start getting ugly. Uh, uh, yeah. Even though the uh, firepower is like a million to one uh, <laughs> in favor of the Pentagon, uh, the actual ground level situation, if you have a, a thousand people with little guns and a hundred soldiers with bazookas and tanks it becomes a better balance. Do you think the Pentagon has managed to vet it's it's uh, what you call it uh, the most loyal soldiers it has to the to the point where they're completely confident that none of these people will turn on them if, if they're being ordered to attack their own like their own families? I, I think that's the purpose of Biden's talking about uh, dishonorable discharge for people who don't get vaccinated. He doesn't want any uh, ambiguous people ambivalent about following orders. Once he gets the vaccine resistors out, then he's got a, a nice robot army. So we can expect, yeah. expect something really bad when all those people are vaccinated, <laughs> all the soldiers. I, I, yeah, if they're really giving them uh, the, the same vaccine that is causing the CDC's uh, deaths and dis disability numbers to rise uh, astronomically, uh, then it's going to weaken the, the army. But uh, I would suppose that they uh, 
no better than than to give the regular vaccines to anyone they want to rely on. Did you see that the CDC chief, Walensky, whatever her name is, she overruled her own advisory committee and basically went against the recommendations? The advisory committee said, no, most people don't need a, a booster. As corrupt as we are, that's too much even for us. And she said, <laughs> nope, I'm going to overrule you. Um, is that legal under federal law? Does the agency have like supreme power over the agency? The, the agencies can set their internal regulations. And I've interacted with some agencies that just really didn't take their own regulations seriously. <laughs> Uh, so it, what I'm hearing is that the, these advisory committees are largely ceremonial. Basically, they're just sitting there and making yeah. mood decisions, but ultimately it's the agency head. Yeah, yeah, just for giving it a little prestige. I'm uh, scrolling through looking for an article, but it was talking about during H1N1, the government class was issued uh, different vaccines than the the population. <laughs> and so what you're saying is like rooted in the uh, mainstream article that I had come across at some point. Uh, uh, yeah, several people have been talking about the evidence that uh, several different vaccines or, or non-vaccines uh, have been issued uh, and the elite get the non-vaccines. Yeah. Just a week after it emerged that German armed forces were getting a different kind of H- uh, A slash H1N1 vaccine, to the general population, Der Spiegel magazine reports that the government will also get special treatment. What uh, you, you sent me Dolores Cahill's video, and she was talking about an interesting way of um, kind of hel- holding people accountable that were forcing vaccines on people. Is there what it, can you talk uh, a little bit more about uh, that? just a personal liability lawsuit is one of them. Uh, you have injured me and. I'll take you to court and get redressed. Uh, uh, another one was making them uh, aware of the, the fact that they're committing a crime if they do anything to coerce someone in any way, but especially uh, to take uh, uh, an experimental medical treatment. Uh, that is worse than uh, simple uh, undefined coercion. But coercion is a felony in some states uh, and a, a serious uh, misdemeanor in, in all the rest. Uh, federal law uh, uh, allows uh, up to three years in prison uh, for uh, coercion. But these lawsuits, they, they would only apply to actual uh, to the actual doctors, the private uh, industry doctors, because the government officials have qualified immunity, right? Just like the cops. They cannot be sued for doing bad things to us. Yeah, but your employer who is administering the illegal oh, I see. regulation, I see. Uh, they, they would undoubtedly say I was just following the orders, but... Uh, that has not been working very well. So even though OSHA can mandate the employer and say, look, we're going to fine you if you don't vaccinate your employees, and uh, and the employer does, then the employer is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because uh, both places can attack, right? Uh, yeah. And, and if the employees make it expensive by 
uh, suing their employers for damages. If they get fired, uh, then the, the company has to start thinking which side they'll take. Um, many of the small ones will probably just simply simply fold and close shop, which I'm, I'm starting to think that may, be, that may be one of the desired side effects, even if it's not planned. Well, the plan, as expressed expressed by uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, uh, two two years more than two years ago, uh, it, it was in line with uh, the Rockefeller Foundation and and other uh, long range plans. But uh, the, the Pentagon committee that Eric Schmidt uh, was uh, the chairman of uh, outlined the need to destroy the existing economy uh, of the United States so that it could be quickly replaced by a digital artificial intelligence economy. Uh, that was expressed uh, in 2019 before there was a pandemic. Yeah, you can see this. So we basically, we all shop from Amazon, we all get yep. our IT from yep. Google, and we all get our healthcare from a single uh, whatever mandatory provider that we don't even get our healthcare. We we are administered healthcare against our wishes. Uh, yeah, and as the uh, small businesses went broke, uh, the, the Amazon and uh, other giant corporations uh, just about doubled their wealth. Yeah, the office building that I, that I'm uh, that where my office is basically the company that was uh, renting it out to uh, small companies like me. They went bankrupt, and BlackRock, the large, the massive financial company, moved in and bought all the real estate in DC. Yeah, yeah, Ray. Do you have opinions on Vanguard and BlackRock and how they own a lot of the huge major corporations? Like people think there can't be coordination between these huge, uh, pri like so-called private corporations and stuff, but apparently they own like everything. Uh, yeah, I, I saw someone analyzing the, uh, the tentacles of Vanguard. They're everywhere with five or six percent ownership, where they can uh, have a strong influence. You know who I think did? Uh, oh, go ahead. They're just about identical with the World Economic Forum in their policies and reach. And, and guess who owns? The, the private funds behind Vanguard. It's basically a who's who of, of the neocons, uh, the Bush family, the Rumsfeld family, the Clintons, like the Rockefellers, Ro the Rothschilds. Rothschilds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, no surprises here. I guess how, how this thing is full, uh, unfolding, is there anything you think is cr incredibly weak or a, a route to escape, or do you think it's they're more or less the plan is going according to how they planned it? I think it's going according to plan. <laughs> you, you don't you don't see any any glitches in their um, you know push for the vaccine for everybody and and for the lockdowns. I mean, I can tell you as as liberal and woke as DC is, if another lockdown is attempted here, even the liberals will revolt and probably hang the mayor if she tries something like that. That would good to see. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm saying that even those people who were convinced initially that this is a good thing and they're trying to save the world and, you know, everybody should need should be vaccinated. They've had enough of uh, basically being stuck at home with the screaming children and, and doing the work of both teachers and doctors and everything and doing their own work. So um, even the, 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 
I don't know, the, the, the coastal cities, I think the population has had enough. So I just don't see another lockdown unless uh, there's a false flag operation with another virus or something militarily happens domestically. They keep talking about uh, alternative uh, panic producers, uh, uh, like a sudden breakdown of uh, food supply uh, uh, or uh, uh, banking uh, trashes, uh, uh, internet uh, shutdowns and so on. Uh, They've been talking about that for so long. Uh, I, I think it means they have something in mind, not necessarily those. In one of the um, uh, in one of your articles, you, you you talked about how the the Appalachian region has the lowest death rate from breast cancer, even though the rates of breast cancer are higher than the rest of the country. Uh, and you also mentioned how extremely rural areas and poor areas would probably not notice, uh, you know, whenever the collapse of the world economy arrives. Um, so, a question to me is like: Is there any reason why you wouldn't consider going to the Appalachian region, or you don't think it's high enough altitude? You, or you think the culture there is not very, I don't know, friendly? Um, just uh, curious. Uh, yeah, th- th- there are pockets of culture that could be acceptable, but uh, other other places, the uh, xenophobia, basically, not just uh, according to skin color, but uh, just having the wrong accent of an outsider, uh, can can be difficult. Uh, I, I would uh, choose a completely different uh, country where uh, they're they're used to tourists and uh, uh, Anglo people uh, don't don't have such a, a xenophobia. Ron Uns has an article on his website uh, recently about. Um a journalist who went to uh, Welch, uh, it's a town in, in southern West Virginia. Uh, it's the poorest town in the poorest county in the entire country. Uh, and he basically chronicled the decline of the area, which used to be booming in the 50s um, due to coal and, and kind of coincided with the peak of America. From what I'm understanding, you said that the 50s was really the time where uh, people had everything they needed and nothing they didn't. Um, and and just the way he described the area is that because it's so poor, they, they've really opened up to tourists, and they're really friendly, they, and there's basically very little internet and very little cell phone service, and everything is dirt cheap there. So, I don't know, sounds sounds very uh, attractive to me. If I have to make a move from out of D.C., <laughs> that will probably be the first place I would try. I, I, yeah, I, I think... Um... Poverty, in terms of the internet culture, is a, a very creative, highly progressive thing. Well, it seems like people from Monterey are like very westernized, and that's something. Oh, I, uh, Monterey, Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, buildings there. Uh, I've seen slogans: "Hitler was right," <laughs> uh, uh, and. Uh, the cops there are the nastiest I've ever seen in Mexico. Uh, It's not just Americanized, but it's uh, the the worst uh, industrialization can do to uh, a government. Good to know. Uh, One thing I was interested in getting your take on, um, I'm not sure if we've ever talked about it, but like the incoherent 
narratives that conflict, like just watching Fauci contradict himself like a hundred times. And I, and I think a lot of people would tend to say, oh, that's because our leaders are so incompetent. But, but what do you think about that being like a strategy of terror, of, of confusion, like to make people so confused that like it inactivates them because they don't know what to do because nothing makes sense? Yeah, uh, I, I I think it's natural for them to just uh, talk through their hat, uh, and <laughs> it turns out that that uh, also is uh, uh, producing confusion and uh, working in the direction they want uh, people to go, uh, panic and confusion. I, I have a book. Uh, it's by a guy named Kurt Lewin. It's like I think it's like 1942 or something, and he was some bigwig at the Tavistock Institute. And, and in his book, he says, uh, if we just compute, confuse people enough, they won't know what to do. And, and even if you're a like a renegade, you won't you, you will be inactive because there'll, there'll be no like clear path forward of what to do because everything is so I mean, th- that's basically what they do in the US. You know, like the people that consider themselves radicals are aligned with Citibank and Wells Fargo with like the exact things they believe. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, four years or uh, 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 2016 election, I guess it was, uh, I, I noticed that the Communist Party of the U.S. Uh, was supporting Hillary Clinton. That's a perfect example of confusing people to be utterly uh, useless. <laughs> or, or it shows how little communist there is in the Communist Party of the United States. Yeah. Okay, well, t- uh, we can take this show in really any direction we want. Um, Ray, d- did you want to? You you are working on something. Did you want to talk about that, or we could go into questions? It, uh, it really we have a free for all here. Uh, oh, uh, questions are okay. I, I, I'm right in the middle of. <clears throat> Uh, thinking about what to write about, uh, something to do with uh, development uh, and immunity uh, and how the whole uh, system has been warped so much that uh, it's almost impossible to talk about uh, how the immune system works. Uh, And so it's a a perfect background for people saying ridiculous things about uh, uh, vaccines, for example. Uh, because uh, 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 there's no solid ground for making a a decisive and final uh, argument about any issue in the immune system. Uh, You have to see the history going back uh, more than 100 years uh, to to see why uh, the situation is so muddled uh, around the, the vaccine uh, issue. Did uh, Jamie Cunliffe and Polly Metzinger, did anybody take them seriously? Where it was like that more morphostatic uh, view of immunity ever a real contender against the the traditional view? Uh, 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 Jamie Cunliffe and his danger uh, hypothesis, uh, I, I think he uh, got right to the center of the issue, but he hasn't been keeping up with his studies uh, in the last oh, 15 or 20 years. Uh, he's hardly uh, refined his, his thinking. Uh, what he did was very good. Uh, and uh, 
the polymatzinger uh, uh, ideas have been to some extent adopted by the mainstream but in the process their meaning has been lost uh, where uh, the potential uh, of polymatzinger's uh, uh, system or, or perspective uh, was to go uh, the Cunliffe direction uh, it has instead gone the uh, 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 clonal selection uh, right right down the mainstream uh, uh, everything staying the same and if I could butcher the, that point of view it's that tissue injury it comes before any kind of uh, bacteria or fungi or anything like that, right? And and so if you're worried about immunity, you should be worrying about limiting tissue injury. Uh, yeah, and uh, our body is concerned with coming into existence and uh, ma- maintaining that existence and improving it if possible. Uh, and the, the Cunliffe idea is that when something goes wrong, whether it's a mechanical a radiation, a chemical damage, or an organism that somehow created damage in our system, that it's the damage that our body is concerned with. And in the process of fixing that damage, it takes out the the pathogen, whether it's part of an organism or, or a toxin or uh, even radiation damage, uh, the uh, the body uh, takes the measures necessary to uh, maintain its integrity and uh, not really uh, thinking or designed for or evolved uh, to, to uh, attack enemies or other than self. It's the process of uh, optimizing the self uh, that uh, as a sideline, it happens that sometimes we uh, uh, develop uh, uh, the the antibodies and so on for taking out uh, viruses and bacteria and parasites. Well, there are some studies showing that depending on the occupation, specific occupations had a much higher rate of uh, autoimmune conditions like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, like boxers, uh, since they c- continuously damage their their, their uh, knuckles and various other joints, they're much more likely to develop this autoimmune condition. Hasn't this ever attracted attention of the mainstream medicine saying, well, there is a connection between chronic tissue injury and autoimmune conditions? Very little. Uh, about 25 or 30 years ago, I saw a, a, a single article in which they uh, took a piece of uh, cow cartilage and I forget who they injected it into, uh, uh, maybe rabbits. Uh, And uh, when it was in a fresh condition, uh, it didn't elicit antibodies. But if they just twisted the cartilage, uh, it gave it a a little bit of uh, mechanical stress, uh, then it elicited uh, antibodies, uh, and that, that was uh, 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 like an uh, image of uh, how uh, how easy it is to induce uh, uh, the antibody reactions 
you see in autoimmune conditions. Have you seen the recent studies? I know you've said this many times, but uh, recently they confirmed that endotoxin is directly responsible for the flares of rheumatoid arthritis. I've, I, yeah, I've, I've been following that that general line uh, that uh, any injury to the tissue uh, will bring up the uh, so-called autoimmune uh, system. Uh, uh, virus infections uh, in in some of the experiments uh, were uh, lethal if the uh, or- organism wasn't allowed to produce uh, uh, antibodies. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the virus that would uh, bring up the antibodies. Uh, uh, would uh, in itself uh, not produce uh, the, the disease, but the, uh, the the antibody itself was there uh, mostly to clear out the damaged tissue rather than uh, to attack the uh, the virus. Do you think chronic low-grade endotoxemia, as they call it, can be um, a factor in many of these autoimmune conditions constantly causing this small level of injury um, and then eventually, I guess, if the organism is energetically depleted severely, then sort of like a chronic autoimmune condition sets in? Uh, yeah, and things like uh, lupus and uh, the famous named autoimmune diseases, uh, including uh, oh, uh, Sjogren syndrome and uh, uh, thyroid uh, uh, and, yeah. and, and uh, probably MS. Uh, in some of these, uh, such as lupus, uh, I've seen very clear diagnoses uh, of uh, uh, everything confirming that it was uh, uh, the so-called lupus condition causing uh, the arthritis and other symptoms, uh, but just by correcting their vitamin D, calcium intake, progesterone, and thyroid, those all of the symptoms disappeared, and they gradually started having a regression of the antibodies. Ray, so you're saying you don't need to go on the carnivore diet if you have an autoimmune disease? <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the uh, <laughs> keep, keeping your uh, blood glucose uh, up and your carbon dioxide uh, high from uh, oxidizing glucose. Uh, I think those are the the basic anti-inflammatory uh, things that uh, will will correct all of the autoimmune diseases. I was making a joke, but actually, like do you, when a person does eat an all meat diet and they do experience like a Improvement in their symptoms, it probably would be a reduction in endotoxin, right? Uh, yeah, so many people are eating indigestible stuff that causes inflammation of their intestine. And a meat diet will simply represent the absence of toxic indigestible foods. But that gives you very quick relief. Uh, like like a fast, uh, a week of fast uh, has 
very often completely relieved uh, the uh, uh, spondylitis uh, 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 type types of uh, arthritis and inflammation. Uh, but uh, after you are on that diet for a while, the excitatory inflammatory effect uh, of the unbalanced uh, uh, phosphate and and iron intake, uh, a, a very imbalanced diet, eventually brings up other problems just as serious. One, one, one last question about this, and then we can move on. Um, in the complex biochemical web of all the stress substances, we were talking last time about PTH being like all, all roads lead to parathyroid hormone. Where would you put endotoxin in that whole mix? It's a, a constant threat uh, uh, everywhere and all the time. Uh, and the, the bad diet choices uh, will make it uh, take over and, and uh, become dominant. But even with the best diet, uh, just something like a, a physical shock or an emotional shock can reduce the barrier function of the intestine enough and slow the digestion so that you, you absorb more endotoxin. So it's very controllable, but it's always a present danger. Uh, I, I saw some old old studies in the 50s and 60s showing that the main – they suggested that the main mechanism of the increased uh, – uh, b- b- barrier permeability in the gut uh, during stress was estrogen, because when they uh, basically uh, uh, gave an estrogen blocker, um, uh, the effects of stress on on the increased endotoxin in the blood disappeared. Do you share that view, or? Oh, oh yeah, the, the capillaries are uh, where the intestine barrier is uh, m- most important, <clears throat> and. Uh, everywhere in the body, estrogen weakens the capillary barrier. Amazing stuff. Thanks for that. Or maybe should we do a little um, uh, advertisement using air quotes here for your newsletter? <laughs> okay, the newsletter is available by email now, and it's $28 US, which can be paid through PayPal at raypeatsnewsletter at gmail.com. You can also order all of Ray's books uh, from PMS to menopause, progesterone and orthomolecular medicine. Generative Energy, my favorite, Mind and Tissue, uh, Nutrition for Women, and uh, and then Progesty from Kenogen. So you can email Catherine to purchase progestykenogen at gmail.com, and each bottle contains uh, 3,400 milligrams of progesterone. And while we're on the topic of progesterone, I mean, I can kick questions off uh, here with Marcelo's question. And he says, hey, Danny, can you ask Ray if he, he had ever seen or heard of a woman regaining her fertility, taking high-dose progesterone. We're talking to someone who has been infertile, infertile for a deca- decade or more. Uh, when I was uh, teaching nutrition classes, uh, uh, there were several women who said they had been infertile for more than 10 years. Uh, and it was a, a three-month class. Uh, and usually there were two or three people during that class, who would suddenly get pregnant, just with uh, almost all of them, just with uh, the diet changes, but it was to increase their 
have progesterone and, and thyroid and to get their estrogen under control. And uh, uh, one woman, a medical doctor who uh, hadn't had, uh, she had uh, diagnosed ovarian failure when she was, I think, about 35. Uh, and uh, by carefully taking a blood test about every week or two, she imitated the natural hormones of the cycle. Uh, with uh, small amounts uh, uh, generally of, of both thyroid and, and progesterone. That doesn't take a huge amount when it's at the right time. Uh, and uh, I, I think, I forget her exact age, but she was in her 40s uh, and had been uh, uh, per perfectly infertile for uh, over 10 years uh, and uh, had a baby very quickly as soon as she got her blood test showing the hormones in the right range. That's amazing. Thanks for that. Okay. Um, okay. First question. Ray's thoughts on the importance of posture in health. Does good posture come from good health or vice versa? I, I think good health uh, uh, makes you feel springy and energetic. And uh, so you take on the, the aspect of a springy, energetic person. If everything hurts and and you're tired, naturally, everything is going to slump. <laughs> I think a long time ago, you wrote to somebody I knew, and you were specifically talking about maybe DHEA and testosterone, like causing a lot of the, the slumping. I mean, of course, those are energetic types of therapies. Uh, uh, yeah, and the uh, uh, pregnenolone and, and progesterone uh, uh, work with them. Uh, the fascia that hold up your skin uh, uh, are, uh, even though they're uh, basically uh, fibroblast-type cells, uh, in the absence of those protective steroids, uh, they uh, go limp. And uh, given uh, just pregnenolone, for example, but uh, the others uh, all have a similar effect, uh, uh, just a dose of pregnenolone will cause the fascia to contract, uh, showing that they have the properties of of uh, smooth muscle cells, uh, uh, besides being the tough uh, connective tissue that holds your uh, whole, whole body or organs in place. Uh, and uh, uh, for example, the, if the fascia get loose, uh, the, the tendons uh, and uh, capsules uh, around uh, uh, tissues uh, uh, all uh, get slack, uh, and it can lead to the uh, prolapse uh, of the uterus, for example. Uh, and uh, uh, several months ago, a woman uh, told me that she was, uh, her doctor had planned to do surgery to uh, pin her uterus back where it should be, but she was using a, a mixture of uh, DHEA and progesterone uh, b both topically and orally, uh, and her uterus normalized. No, no surgery needed to hold it in place. Uh, that that same thing, uh, un, un, where it uh, happens throughout your body, undoubtedly it's going to uh, affect your posture and uh, the feeling of of strength in your uh, joints. 
Amazing. Thanks for that. Um, okay. Does Ray think it's possible that apes are actually devolved human beings? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've joked about that a lot. But, uh, if the vegetarians found a very uh, uh, congenial environment where they could eat all the vegetables that they wanted, uh, their intestine would get bigger and bigger. Uh, and their brain would uh, get a smaller uh, cortex and so on. Uh, the, the parts of this have all been demonstrated. Uh, the, the more uh, uh, fibrous your, your diet is, uh, the bigger your colon gets. Uh, and uh, you, you can cause radical changes in a, a growing uh, monkey, for example, uh, just by the, the amount of fiber in the food. Uh, and uh, a poor diet uh, uh, very powerfully limits the the growth of your brain. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know about the distribution of, of body hair, but the length of the arms and legs is also something that's very responsive to gestational conditions. Georgie, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but do you want to ask Ray that question you talked about last time about the divergence of people uh, that are following the rules versus, or maybe I can just ask him. (laughs) (laughs) You'd probably do a better job. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which one? Like uh, the, uh, what do you mean? The following like, the rules? Like, like with the people oh, yeah, that yeah, don't. Yeah, want, yeah. Basically, yeah. That, I mean, I thought that evolution can work can work backwards too. Uh, basically, if the you know if the environment is not energetically conducive to higher to maintaining higher complexity of, of species, um, in uh, it's not just that apes are devolved humans. We may devolve into uh, into into a like a like a lo- lower level species. Um, and, uh, I'm actually, uh, my question is related to, to this ladies is that, well, if the leaves, if the monkeys eat mostly leaves and fruit, um, aren't the leaves very rich, um, in the keto acids? So why would that be a poor diet? I mean, it seems like they Uh, can get plenty of protein. Because they're full of toxins. Uh, And lately I've been uh, talking more about the, uh, the the causes of uh, human development with a big brain. Uh, and the areas where uh, the biggest brains uh, of fossils have been found. Uh, And uh, I think if you look at the uh, idea of uh, evolving in reverse uh, when you eat too many leaves, uh, if you, instead of leaves, if you have a very good climate that produces huge amounts of various fruits, uh, the uh, extreme concentration of calories, uh, uh, you, you can uh, uh, either uh, get the necessary proteins uh, uh, from the uh, right selection of, of fruits, uh, or, or you could occasionally add uh, eggs and bugs and so on. But the uh, uh, an abundance of fruit uh, would provide the high calorie uh, uh, guarantee uh, that is needed for uh, maintaining the very expensive brain. Uh, uh, the, the hunting diet, uh, uh, if you eat lots of meat, which uh, some uh, ev- 
evolutionists have, have suggested uh, that the meat, uh, even though it provides the essential proteins, uh, uh, doesn't necessarily uh, provide the uh, very high uh, concentration of uh, of glu- glucose and the materials for uh, metabolizing glucose. Uh, it tends to uh, cause hypoglycemia, in fact. Uh, the more meat you eat, uh, the more insulin you secrete uh, to handle the uh, disposition of the protein. Uh, and if you aren't taking in uh, carbohydrate, uh, then the meat will uh, give you chronically increased uh, cortisol uh, and a tendency towards hypoglycemia from the maintained high insulin. You're telling me Klaus Schwab wanting us all to eat bugs? He's on the right track? Uh, what was that? Klaus Schwab from the World Economic <laughs> Forum. You know, he's all about us eating bugs <laughs> in, <laughs> in, as soon as possible. Oh, oh, oh uh, uh, yeah. They're, I suppose, adequate protein. Uh, uh, once I had uh, some very nice things that seemed to be uh, uh, like little fish patties, uh, but uh, after I'd eaten them, uh, they turned out to be mosquito larvae. <laughs> there is a Mexican restaurant in D.C. and they serve tacos made from locusts. Um, is do, is this like a common thing in Mexico or is this some I, kind of a monstrosity I, that they concocted here? <laughs> I, I, I never heard of the, the, the uh, locusts, but um, around the uh, lakes, uh, you've seen the butterfly uh, net fishermen on uh, Lake Potscoro, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they still do it, but uh, they used to have these uh, big nets that they would skim uh, the mosquito larvae uh, with uh, so they could uh, collect them in uh, r- really nutritious quantities. Uh, and they had a pleasant, uh, mildly fishy taste. That that, oh, wow. it, that has to be just pure punishment, like the bug bug agenda. You know, like <laughs> the, the oligarchs are just like mad, and they want to uh, uh, abuse the citizens. And everybody eats bugs in Thailand. Uh, that's what I remember. Um, okay, great stuff. Thanks for that, Ray. Uh, what does Doctor Pete? Uh, what Doctor Pete thinks about life after death? I'm, I never really uh, think about it. I, I have read uh, lot, lots of uh, uh, discussion and uh, 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 more or less evidence. Uh, a physics professor, uh, one, one of the most famous uh, uh, physical chemists in the world, uh, uh, I always have trouble remembering his last name, but he was... Uh, became notorious at the University of uh, uh, Texas or uh, Texas A&M, maybe, uh, for uh, doing experiments that showed transmutation uh, of uh, uh, heavy metals in the gold. Uh, and after he retired, having experienced the uh, uh, powers that uh, are come to bear uh, on anyone who uh, uh, things outside of the system, such as uh, believing that uh, transmutation can happen at, at uh, non-nuclear 
uh, energy levels, uh, cold fusion, for example. Uh, he wrote about uh, the history of communicating uh, with the dead. Uh, and his book, uh, The New Paradigm, I think it's called, has lots of interesting historical discussions of fairly convincing information transfer from post-living people to presently living people. I wish I had saved it. There was actually a great response to this question on the YouTube comments section, but uh, they started with George, uh, St. Georgie's um, the living state is the degree of electronic desaturation, uh, if, if that's correct. And they were saying like, when you die, you go down to a lower level of uh, energy metabolism and a lower level of consciousness. Do you, does that sound right to you? Um, I, I think it's on a, completely different level. Uh, uh, the uh, neutrino C idea as the uh, uh, ether uh, for uh, interaction of uh, all uh, substance, uh, uh, physical uh, th things like gravity and electricity, uh, uh, the, the common medium uh, of a neutrino C uh, actually has uh, pretty good evidence. Uh, uh, and the, the neutrino C uh, can uh, r resonate uh, uh, for a, a very low energy uh, but um, uh, of the appropriate frequency. Uh, uh, very low energy patterns uh, can influence the, this ether or neutrino C. Uh, and I think that's where the uh, telepathic uh, and transgenerational uh, communication, uh, how it's working. So, do you, do you think what we call the soul may be something like a standing wave in the neutrino sea? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm a very, very for a layman. Like, so the physical body disappears and we melt into this neutrino sea, something like that. Or, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's still uh, on the internet, but there was a very good video uh, doing the physical uh, energy calculations called uh, 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 "No More Secrets." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a Canadian uh, psychologist Persinger. who died. Uh, uh, Persinger, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. I uh, uh, that, that just shows the. the physical ener energy possibilities for these uh, uh, externalized uh, patterns that people can tune into. So the, do you think that principle of, of deja vu that people experience, like they have seen that before, it's basically resonating uh, with a past, with, with the brain state of not even their own, of basically of a, of a previous life, so to speak, or, or a person that, that uh, I don't know, a very similar energetically wise uh, if we can say that their soul may be still being in the in the neutrino seat so what we experience as ancestral memories could be just resonating with those standing waves that are still there uh, um, uh, uh, but the deja vu uh, uh, where you are experiencing something that uh, you can 
actually see it coming at you, so you know, in some sense, you've already seen it. But our ordinary consciousness, we are constantly foreseeing a little bit of the future. And we ordinarily only project it two or three or maybe four or five seconds into the future. But when you're listening to someone sing a tune or make a sentence, you can anticipate what's coming. And there's no simple dividing line between what's immediately past and what's immediately to come. The brain is in ordinary things like like talking and and singing uh, the the brain is uh, very uh, uh, oriented towards uh, uh, forming an image of, of what's about to come uh, and uh, that can vary uh, just a, a well stimulated brain uh, can go much farther into uh, hearing what's coming uh, and uh, 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 interpreting what has just passed. Uh, 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 if you aren't attending to uh, someone in a lecture uh, and suddenly at the end of a sentence uh, they say a word that is important to you, uh, you can uh, wake up and uh, replay, uh, get back to the beginning of that sentence, even though you weren't uh, consciously recording it, uh, uh, so you can uh, uh, make your brain uh, back up and d deliver something that you missed. Well, I was just going to say that that the the lack of clear dividing line between the immediate past and the in the incoming immediate future, I think that see that that line is actually seems to be extend way further out because um, there are studies published showing that people that have learn something as little kids completely forgot it and they went through some kind of a trauma where they basically usually an electric shock of sorts suddenly remember everything in vivid detail from things that happened de decades ago um and and were and managed to basically reconstruct through a story that was later verified because i guess that event was recorded somewhere that that they that they basically had an incredibly detailed memory that they were able to connect with. Uh, it was way, very, very distant past. We're talking several decades. Uh, yeah, and if you think of uh, the incredible detail in that kind of memory that we're ordinarily completely uh, unconscious of, uh, that kind of of uh, extreme detail, uh, I, I think, can extend it into the future. Uh, even though you're you're not uh, attending to it, sometimes uh, uh, the deja vu experience is when uh, something slips in your brain and you forget to uh, uh, ignore uh, enough of what's coming in, and suddenly uh, you, you see what's to come uh, for for maybe ten or fifteen seconds ahead. What do you think of synchronicity? Do you think it's a sign of us resonating well with the environment? It seems to occur when when people are in particularly good energetic state and attentive to the environments. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 
there are a couple of very good books on synchronicity. Uh, one by uh, F. David Pete uh, is a good one. Uh, uh, pretty much the, the history of uh, 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 stories about it. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I think that's true that uh, uh, th- th- things are, uh, 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 again, the uh, uh, ether uh, or the neutrino sea, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, is guiding causality uh, enough that sometimes uh, things will uh, choose to happen because you're ready to perceive them. I see. And one last question uh, related to the, uh, I guess, ancestral memories. There have been several published cases of people undergoing brain surgery, and then when they wake up, suddenly start speaking uh, fluently a foreign language that they had never heard before in their lives. What do you think could explain that? Would it be a resonance with a, I guess, with a dead soul or a previous brain state? Or what could it be? Because they've never uh, learned that language in their lifetime. One of the cases I read about many years ago uh, was a woman who had been a cleaning lady in some academic organization. She had spent years scrubbing floors and emptying wastebaskets for professors who spoke different languages, but just... Being present when she had a brain accident, suddenly she could speak the languages that that she had been around, but not knowingly attending to. I see. So, so the brain acquired. I mean, the the brain is capable of resonating with past events, uh, though not always on demand. Something, some kind of a trigger is needed. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the. the uh, Aldous Huxley uh, took up uh, one of the uh, uh, ideas that was introduced, uh, uh, I, I think, at the end of the 19th century, uh, and uh, thought of the cortex of the brain as a filtering device. Uh, and when something uh, damages the cortex enough to uh, get it out of the way, uh, uh, the uh, full complexity of reality can break through. I think I'm going to give, give myself a TBI to speak Spanish better. <laughs> uh, are you familiar, Ray, with the Hinduistic ideas, uh, probably are, uh, of prana and akasha? Akasha, I guess, being the equivalent of the neutrino sea, where every event that ever happened basically is recorded forever and continues to exist as an analogy, I guess, of a standing wave. Um, and then depending on the intellectual or, or consciousness state of the person practicing yoga, they can tune into that and basically have access to all of the events that have already happened. Um, yeah, uh, that sort of thing, uh, uh, the new paradigm is, uh, it has really been developing for thousands of years. Uh, uh, in, in pretty much uh, all of the cultures around the world, uh, there's this idea that uh, uh, under certain circumstances, you can uh, tune in and, and know much more than uh, ordinary knowing could produce. Uh, uh, like the uh, George Wasson's uh, story of the magic mushroom, uh, he uh, w- 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 was a uh, 
eventually it turned out that he was working with the government, but he he was at the time just a, a hobbyist, a, a rich person wanting to investigate the magic mushroom culture of Mexico. And one of their experiments was to because the people talked about the ceremonies as their mail service, just so he could be there watching their procedures. He asked what was happening with his son in New York, and the shaman told him that something very serious was going on, and so he, when he got back to Mexico City, he uh, called his son uh, and found that he had got a, a draft notice uh, uh, that that day and was uh, uh, in an emotional state. Uh, but uh, uh, there are lots of stories like that where uh, the, the mushroom takers uh, can can focus in on uh, something in uh, uh, very very remote places. So the process of learning. Um would would it be fair to say that it's basically the change of the structure of that, or the, even the frequency of that standing wave in the neutrino sea as we as we uh, observe and interact with new events? Is that how we learn? I I think so. Um, uh, since uh, very very early, I don't really know when when, when I concretized it, but uh, I began seeing consciousness uh, as a uh, something electronic or, or uh, finer, uh, either the neutrino sea uh, or a, a, a sort of coherence uh, of electrons, uh, sort of like the conductive electrons in the metal. But uh, I've, I've visualized the process of consciousness in the brain uh, as being this uh, uh, sort of... Uh, a jelly-like ethereal material that we push around with our biological activity in the nerves, but that the what's really happening is that we are the resonance process in this conductive electronic or subelectronic substance. Uh, and so, uh, knowing uh, if that's what our everyday knowing is is doing uh, at spaces, uh, then those exceptional uh, experiences of of knowing things we shouldn't know uh, it, it would uh, fit in with the idea that uh, we we have uh, adopted a way of using our our cortex. To filter out uh, those uh, uh, ultra fine details of reality. Amazing stuff! Thanks for that, guys. Um, please ask Doctor Repeat about the safe <clears throat> about the safety of dental implants. Are there issues in terms of inflammation slash autoimmune response or toxicity? Thank you. Uh, the, the stories I've read about the failures. Uh, uh, made such an impression on me that uh, the, all of the successes uh, don't seem very important when you 
hear about someone's jaw falling off, <laughs> basically, uh, the bone uh, disappearing, uh, the, the jaw bone uh, disintegrating to the point that uh, they have to put a, a metal uh, jaw bone in. I, I kind of forget about this, but I have a, I got my tooth knocked out in like a long time ago in 2009. I have a plastic retainer. Like wh- what kind of devastating things is that doing to my health? Do you think? Uh, uh, just a plastic over your tooth. I don't think hurts anything, especially. Well, it's like a, it's one that covers basically it's like the front left tooth. So it covers all the teeth on the top. It's kind of ruining a lot of the back teeth because it's constantly there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it does any deep harm, uh, but uh, the, the idea of putting a foreign object, the teeth are separated from the bone uh, by uh, very special barriers, uh, but to dig right into the bone and put a foreign mm-hmm. object inside the bone, uh, that just doesn't make biological sense. Uh, sometimes the body can handle it, uh, and you won't lose your jawbone. But uh, when it does, uh, there's hardly any uh, repair that's satisfactory. So, would you say dentures will be safer? Basically, they can do the exact same thing without uh, the 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 implantation risks. Uh, yeah, all, all kinds of restoration are preferable. Uh, Crowns can often be done on a basically destroyed tooth. Amazing. This one's from our friend Dodie. She says, uh, we know the purpose of the vaccine, if that's what you want to call it. But what is the purpose of the booster shot for COVID and how does it relate to the variant? Uh, Oh, uh, the the, uh, increasing uh, insights into the appearance of the variant, so-called, uh, it, it increasingly looks clear that uh, the variants are, are nothing but the side effects uh, of uh, the various uh, uh, nucleic acid treatments. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the first reaction of people like uh, Luc Montagnier uh, was that uh, the uh, Variants were caused by uh, the the immunity uh, to the first one, and so the the, uh, virus would mutate uh, and uh, become uh, maybe more and more infectious, but usually uh, that kind of uh, uh, resistance of the host uh, generally leads to it becoming less deadly while being more infectious. Uh, But... As the information has come in, uh, it looks like uh, there might not be any uh, such thing as, as a, a, a gamma, delta, uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, variant, but uh, simply that it's a name that's being given uh, uh, to uh, the symptoms produced by the uh, original vaccine. Uh, and uh, so if that's the case, uh, then the uh, booster shot is... Uh, if it's uh, the, the real uh, uh, vaccine material, it's just going to produce more uh, so-called variants, uh, more vaccine symptoms. 
Great stuff. Uh, thanks, Dodie. Thanks, Ray. Um, okay. Does Ray identify himself as a social anarchist in the sense of excluding rent sinking, forming worker cooperatives, freeing the individual from authority, collectivism, direct democracy, mutual aid, etc.? Uh, um, no, I, I think organization, uh, if it's allowed to develop, uh, the, uh, the systems have been very quick to kill any incipient organization. Uh, but to the extent that they can spontaneously come into existence, uh, you'll have consumers, uh, cooperatives, uh, and uh, producers' uh, cooperatives, uh, and uh, the organization will uh, be uh, what suits the people uh, on the ground level. But uh, if that's allowed to develop, it will develop, uh, and uh, they will uh, find the best way for these uh, ground-level uh, cooperative organizations uh, to cooperate uh, on a larger and larger scale. Uh, so it, it, uh, I, I think that's a natural course of development. Uh, uh, the, the, if they could, uh, uh, if some of these uh, uh, spontaneous cooperative groups could somehow uh, take over the state, uh, then you'd have the, the problem of, uh, of maybe the uh, consumers having more control of the, than the producers. Uh, but if, if it grows up from the ground up, uh, you're going to have to solve the problems of each level of organization as they come about. So I, I don't think there's any any problem with evolving a, 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 even a world-level state as long as it's based on these spontaneous uh, surface level uh, is there any truth to i mean the way I, it at least looks to me is that the social structure and the political structure are in a, in a sense a metabolite of the health of the people that are building them so if the if the people are relatively healthy they can thrive under a variety of systems without them being exploitatory and you know and and degenerating into the worst that a particular system has to offer so instead of worrying about a specific political system wouldn't be the most prudent thing would be to just sort of like optimize or maximize individual health and then see what kind of structure emerges from there um yeah uh, because uh, different cultures uh, uh, for example uh, uh, the military uh, oriented cultures uh, are uh, uh, th th there's evidence that, that they are very tightly connected uh, with child abuse uh, and uh, body mutilation uh, and uh, uh, repression of, of sexuality in, in children uh, uh, th those things are, are closely tied uh, uh, with sadistic group policies uh, and uh, sadistic uh, uh, war making, uh, uh, head chopping, and so on, uh, and uh, th th those uh, you don't want one of those uh, societies to take over a, a larger government. Uh, it has to be uh, uh, basically a, a, a indulgent 
social organization that that doesn't oppress its own children. But but uh, in a healthy in a group of healthy people, that sort of society wouldn't form to start with. Uh, my concern is that as soon as we say, oh, we should prevent that sort of culture taking over um, and then establishing itself, then the only way to fight such a vicious thing is through basically uh, other kinds of violence, which ultimately tends to be kind of self-defeating because if you continue this conflict long enough, even the good peaceful culture will eventually militarize itself through this constant conflict that has been going on. So it seems to me that the only way to ensure a sort of like semi-stable existence of a large group of people is fo- make, make sure that as many of them are as healthy as possible and then natural or natural non-exploitative order should arise. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the problem is that uh, uh, an urge to conquer uh, tends to uh, lead to conquest. Uh, and uh, that uh, involves such things as uh, 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 being uh, hostile, uh, outlawing uh, good food, for example, uh, 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 the uh, conquest uh, uh, can can take the form of uh, establishing a, a medical system that uh, doesn't uh, allow uh, preventive preventive methods. Uh, says everything has to be. Uh, focused on killing the pathogens, uh, c- cutting out the defects and so on. Uh, uh, so the uh, 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 society that uh, asserts the importance of uh, being healthy uh, is itself in danger of offending uh, the uh, sadistic cultures and uh, stimulating uh, uh, the oppression from them. So I guess there is some some truth to the saying that eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, even for healthy people. I, I, I think so. And, until uh, two or three generations, uh, you might uh, outgrow the the sadistic tendencies that have been inculcated for so long. One hundred sixty-four people watching right now. Thank you guys so much. Sincerely appreciate. Give this episode a like. Um, all donations here will be sent to Ray. I don't think I sent you the last donation. <laughs> I've been very busy, but I will send them to you. I promise. Um, Georgie Dinkov, thank you so much for being here. Obviously, Ray, thank you for so much for doing this so regularly. Such a such a pleasure to have you on. <clears throat> okay, this next question: uh, What does Ray think? Uh, <laughs> what does he think is the role of estrogenic predominance in sexual orientation and para paraphilic disorders? So sexual mm-hmm. fetishes, nymphomania, excessive masturbation, and porn addiction. Uh, what do you think about that, Ray? Uh, oh, uh, w- one of the problems with high estrogen uh, is that it, it doesn't uh, allow uh, sexual satisfaction. Uh, it's, it, it's the uh, uh, prod uh, to uh, seek satisfaction, but it requires a a good balance <clears throat> of thyroid and progesterone and uh, androgens. Uh, to to achieve satisfaction, uh, and so it can uh, lead to such things as as nymphomania or uh, in insatiability. Uh, uh, and at the same time, it uh, has this toxic 
excitatory effect on the brain. Uh, so it, it can uh, can contribute to uh, obsessiveness, uh, uh, hyperactivity, uh, uh, poor attention. Uh, the the um, everything you do uh, to increase your biological uh, energy and vitality uh, is tending to keep estrogen subdued. Amazing. So a similar track. Is celibacy dangerous in a relationship that will be long-term for the foreseeable future? I I think it's uh, uh, always a a result of an imposition. Uh, 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 Like these sadistic cultures uh, uh, suppress uh, uh, women's sexuality in particular, and and they start uh, very early by uh, 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 often uh, mutilations, including uh, uh, circumcising uh, b- both girls and boys uh, to uh, uh, r- remove the uh, satisfaction uh, of uh, sexual uh, interest. Amazing. Thank you for that. Um, Okay. Last sex question here. (laughs) Not to put him (laughs) in the public ire, but does Ray, what does Ray think of homosexual, but does Ray think homosexuality is optimal, optimal normalcy? If it's optimal or what? I don't really know what they meant by that, but I I guess your, your take on homosexuality. I think the gist of the question is the person thinks that homosexuality is driven by hormonal imbalances and it's not in an optimal, healthy sexual state. Uh, yeah, the, the evidence uh, from uh, history as well as uh, animal experiments uh, are that you can produce it by stress during gestation. Uh, and uh, there are Everyone is abnormal in some way. Uh, so it isn't something that I think law should be in, involved in uh, 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 regulating in any way. But I think the evidence is, is clear that it's a, a, a particular product of both prenatal and early life stresses. Have you seen the more recent studies demonstrating that finasteride can pretty reliably induce homosexuality in animals? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you can never know if an animal is homosexual or not, but they started displaying the male animals started started behaving like females and uh, started courting the other normal males and assumed like a mating position and, you know, basically started behaving like like females. And when they stopped administering the finasteride, uh, basically, they were they became asexual. They stopped behaving like females, but they didn't revert back to behaving like males either. And only when they were administered very high doses of testosterone did they sort of, not completely, sort of revert back to acting like normal males sexually. Uh, how how long ago was that then? Uh, that study is uh, well. It's not that old. I think it was from the late nineties. Hmm. Well, did. Tag along with what you said. If a culture is promoting stress in every way, shape, or form, and then stress promotes homosexuality, it's not like a moral judgment on a person. They're just 
expressing what the signals from the environment are telling them to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Ray. <laughs> Sincerely appreciate it. Okay, let me... Uh, okay, I get this question a lot, so this is why I'm asking. What are Ray's thoughts on Adolf Hitler and his expulsion of banking cartels and masons from Nazi Germany? And then the other part of this question was a little too hot for YouTube. He had many right perceptions, but in a very crooked way. He convinced the voters that Germany had been close to revolution, and the fear was that the voters would. Gradually support a Bolshevik type of government, uh, and uh, so all of the money and bank powers uh, of Germany and England and the U.S. Uh, concentrated on supporting him as the barrier against Bolshevism, uh, and uh, he developed a language that would. Uh, uh, c- convince the uh, uh, voters who wanted uh, social welfare, uh, uh, guaranteed employment, uh, uh, health care, and so on, uh, good transportation, and so on. He, he talked to them uh, and uh, said he would give them socialism, uh, and but he told the bankers that it would be uh, national socialism that uh, wouldn't uh, uh, threaten to uh, uh, benefit in anyone outside of German uh, society, uh, and and so he uh, had lots of progressive uh, uh, pro worker things uh, for for German citizens, but at the same time he was uh, following the instructions of the money system uh, and uh, the. the his anti-Semitism uh, was uh, part, partly just to uh, c- convince the working people that that he had uh, 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 an awareness of uh, the, the manipulators of, of money and, and the banks. Uh, but uh, uh, he really uh, had, was working uh, with uh, some of the top Zionists uh, and uh, uh, they wanted uh, pressure on European Jews so that they would move to Israel uh, and set up a new country. So uh, there was a, a collaboration between uh, the Zionists and Hitler for a while, but uh, the, the, uh, uh, it finally turned into the murderous uh, uh, anti-Semitism. But, but uh, the, the thing such as the anti-masonry. That that was part of the uh, German culture at the time. Uh, He used those things to uh, uh, keep keep his uh, mass support uh, along with uh, giving them cheap little cars and uh, high-speed highways. uh, uh, Things that uh, uh, simply made, made the Germans uh, able to be distracted from what he was doing uh, elsewhere. 
Amazing. Thanks for that. Okay. How might Ray respond to the question of why worker ants are sent out into dangerous conditions while queen ants are protected other than worker ants are not reproductive, cannot pass on genes anymore? While queens can. Same with bees. I wasn't joking when I said acts were observ- uh, ants were observable national socialists. Their organism also... Their org- <laughs> their organism also strategy is clearly designed around a collective effort to provide for reproduction of the tribe's genetic material. And they have a rigid deterministic caste system where sterile ants are sterile their whole lives and will readily give up their lives to protect the productive queens. But at the same time, individual ants can be intelligently altruistic uh, one ant to another so so it's not i mean it, it's a hierarchical structure but they're also altruistic to each other at the at the at the same case when they actually should be competitive if this was truly a national socialistic system right uh, yeah uh, and there are lots of uh, good people doing good things in the united states for example even though the system is definitely not designed to have good people doing good things. Let me ask the question, which Danny didn't, but it's right oh. there. <laughs> Somebody asked, uh, uh, is Ray Pete a communist? Uh, and I know it's a very loaded word. Well, I thought you answered uh, it already. That's why I didn't answer it. But No, there was another one whether he's a social anarchist, but somebody asked directly, is Ray Pete a communist? There you go. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what the difference is. If you... Uh, define either of them uh, very thoughtfully. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, there's not really any difference. Uh, you, you want to uh, get rid of uh, tyranny, uh, and uh, you want to have co- cooperation. Uh, and it's, uh, the the idea of communism. Uh, essentially goes back to, to Christianity uh, yeah. as a, the main source of those ideas. Uh, and uh, it has, has developed a lot of historical uh, confusion around it, uh, but uh, the uh, Christian beliefs are uh, at base, you could say that they're predominantly communistic. Didn't William James say say that Christ was a communist or something along those lines? A lot of people have, yeah, because of the his attitude towards money changers <laughs> and the, the, the common person, even the outcasts of the system. He was definitely a bottom-up person. Uh, and uh, you can call that uh, anarchism or communism either way. Do you think it's possible to have Christianity without the involvement of the church? And by the church, I, I specifically mean corrupt structures like the Vatican uh, with their history of child abuse and financial machinations and supporting the Nazis and everything else. Uh, yeah, I, I think one of the most interesting books uh, on uh, Christianity was uh, Wilhelm Reich's uh, book, The Murder of Christ. Uh, uh, and he uh, uh, gets uh, much of his guidance uh, from 
uh, the New Testament. Amazing. Okay, let me search real fast for, I skipped this question. Um, okay, in regards to an extremely morbidly obese person in their 40s and 50s, what are the first steps they should uh, they should do to tackle their weight? Would some, um, would some fasting regimen like Alternative Day or OMAD be feasible in this situation simply because of the danger posed by their weight? If they're 300 plus pounds and they simply might not live long enough to take the slower PUFA depleting bioenergetic route. And what were the alternatives? Well, they were saying, sh- should I fast or should I do one meal a day? Um, or I get, I guess another possibility with like liposuction, like what, if somebody's extremely obese, what, what do you think? And they don't have a lot of time. What do you think they should do? Uh, um, uh, all of the alternatives are extremely harmful. Uh, and I've wondered whether there might not be a, a type of surgery uh, to remove Hello? Uh, yeah, could you, did we just lose, right? Yeah, we did. Okay, I thought it had froze. Okay, let's... Uh, oh, right, you there? Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, it just you just dropped out for a second. We, I think we just start that question over, if you remember. Uh, okay, uh, the, the uh, amount of damage uh, is something that can be in, investigated. Uh, uh, the uh, way uh, liposuction is usually done uh, just sort of stirring a suction tube around in the fat uh, causes uh, lots of nerve damage uh, as well as liberation of of free fats into the system. Uh, and there might be surgical uh, ways of removing uh, a large uh, mass such as uh, abdominal fat uh, while doing less uh, uh, systemic damage uh, with a good Local anesthesia, for example, uh, I think it might be possible to uh, unload uh, 40 or 50 pounds of fat without uh, doing terrible damage. Uh, But uh, a fast, especially if you're uh, fat, uh, that that fat is going to uh, travel through your your brain and liver and other organs uh, on its way out of the body. Uh, and uh, so you're uh, exposing yourself to a, a great prolonged toxicity. Uh, even though I, I, I've uh, seen someone fast steadily for two months uh, to, to get over extreme obesity, uh, I, I'm not sure that you're lifetime effect on, on your health is going to be worth it. What about chemical interventions? I mean, there is a, a, a tremendous track record of things like dinitrophenol uh, being able to to uh, um, cure effectively even extremely morbidly obese people, of course, under medical observation because it can easily kill you if you overheat. Um, would yeah, something like that be considerable? Overdosing on thyroid does the same thing. At the right level, it can increase your safe oxidation of fats uh, while helping to suppress the toxic random oxidation. Uh, Both DNP and and thyroid can uh, uh, carefully controlled uh, can reduce the toxicity of uh, getting rid of the fat. Uh, 
but I, I, I think a, a diet high in, in calcium and vitamin D should be part of the, the program because they will support safe oxidation and provide the nutrients that, for example, a high milk diet will keep your metabolic rate higher and suppress the, the toxic effects. Amazing. Thank you for that. Okay, about uh, 10, 15 more minutes here, and then we'll let you go, Ray. Thank you so much. Thank you, Georgie Dinkov. Appreciate it. Um, okay, let me find this question. <laughs> um, aside from painting, does Mr. Pete recommend any other practice for positive brain effects, such as knitting, sculpting, etc.? Uh, oh, uh, whistling, singing, <laughs> uh, play, playing a French horn, uh, playing a, a recorder. Uh, whistle, uh, 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 playing the cello or, or violin, uh, 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 all kinds of things that are very uh, structured and stimulating. Wouldn't things like gardening and tending to animals also work? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Uh, James says, as a social animal, humans seem to have a need to belong and experience connection with other people. How can we meet this need in the current authoritarian anti-life culture and avoid a life of atomized loneliness? I, I don't know, but I, I keep looking around for uh, what, what people can do. Uh, 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 just the, the simplest uh, uh, personal contact, if you can get uh, three or four or more people together uh, with a similar interest, uh, uh, such as uh, as uh, uh, little music groups, uh, 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 something that uh, is uh, uh, harmless looking to the society, but uh, uh, getting people together, they're going to uh, talk about uh, uh, their uh, fate uh, under the present system. Uh, so. Uh, Anything you can think of to put person, people into personal contact, I think, is going to eventually lead to political progress and organization. Okay, this person says, on the most recent radio network interview, Ray talked about um, a little about pheromones. He said a, wom a woman's emitted pheromones can change the way she is on birth control and again when she stops. Does Ray know whether... Uh, what a woman emits and what she responds to changes in the lead up to menopause. And can a man's pheromones change as well, making him less attractive to his partner? Can a woman's, la sorry, this is a really long one. <laughs> can a woman's <laughs> lack of interest in her long-term partner be due to pheromones? And last thing, can anything be done to restore the pheromones to attractiveness again? Uh, uh, good diet and hormone uh, uh, activity. Uh, is the best thing uh, to uh, optimize the pheromones. But uh, it's true that uh, uh, both men and women uh, have less of the uh, attractive pheromones and probably gradually uh, increase some uh, uh, repellent uh, pheromones. Uh, I think little kids... Uh, emit 
anti-sexual pheromones, uh, anti uh, that I think they induce uh, parental uh, attitudes towards them, uh, and then around puberty, uh, the, the chemistry changes uh, towards uh, sexual attraction, uh, and uh, to a great extent, uh, I think the same attractants are emitted by both men and women, but with some subtle variations that I don't think anyone has a very clear idea of what a woman's attraction chemistry is. But I'm sure it contains some of the steroids that men emit. Uh, super simple question, but what is a pheromone? Like what it's released by hair follicles? Uh, it can be any chemical that uh, is volatile enough uh, that uh, you, you can uh, uh, detect it at some distance uh, from the emitter. <clears throat> Fatty acids of different sorts uh, uh, work for insects and other animals, but uh, the, the uh, most uh, clearly defined human pheromones are uh, uh, derivatives of androgenic steroids. Amazing. Let's do well, uh, one last break here real fast for talk about ProGesD, and then I'll ask you one or two more questions. We'll let you go right. Okay, so ProGesD from Kenogen email Catherine to purchase a bottle. A bottle. She ships very quickly. She packs it in this like mylar that, or something that protects it during shipping. It's Kenogen at gmail.com. Each bottle, ProGesE, contains 3,400 milligrams. I have a photo here. This is DHEA in this little thing here. And then I have a little tiny $15 scale. And then I mix it in this um, glass thing I got from Japan, which I'll never go back to again. <laughs> which is very, the glass of Japan. <laughs> Japan, unfortunately, because I will never travel again, unfortunately. And then you can, uh, the newsletter is available by email now. It's $28, which can be paid through PayPal. And I mean, best deal on the internet for raised by monthly newsletter. And you can also purchase his books. And those are basically collector's items. And I'd recommend everybody obtain them. Okay. So, uh, so again, I think we've talked about this many, many times, but I, I guess we can't talk about it enough. So, uh, this person says, if forced to be inoculated, are there any supplements or diet that will counteract the harmful side effects of the mRNA vaccine? Um, the first thing is to uh, consider your defenses and resistances, uh, how you can avoid getting it put into you. And if you can find alternatives, such as a certificate of pre-existing immunity or maybe a, a form of a vaccine that doesn't contain the nucleic acids uh, because uh, the, the, the uh, present I ignorance, uh, the, the reason the experiment is being done is because it has never been uh, studied in humans before and so you don't know what the outcome is. Uh, and as long as it's experimental, uh, it's uh, on its surface uh, meaning we don't know what the long-range uh, outcome is going to be. Uh, uh, and uh, the, the uh, uh, animal uh, evidence is that there could be terrible uh, long-range effects uh, 
such as increased susceptibility to uh, all kinds of infectious diseases uh, or to cancer uh, or to brain degeneration uh, or sterility. Uh, uh, So uh, if you allow yourself to be vaccinated, uh, you're uh, taking a big uh, experimental gamble, uh, the the outcome of which you won't, won't know as long as you're alive. Are, are you disturbed? But, oh, go, go ahead. Uh, the, the fact that the uh, so-called variants uh, are uh, tremendously increased in the people who had the vaccine uh, suggests that the uh, uh, disease effects of the virus and vaccine are essentially identical, and that that is primarily through the uh, toxic effects uh, of the spike protein, uh, and uh, that is uh, a fundamental uh, and total uh, promotion of uh, inflammation in every system. Uh, hypertension, uh, development of uh, of uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, uh, everything you can think of uh, is promoted. Uh, uh, which is promoted by angiotensin uh, is going to uh, be a, a possible outcome of of a vaccine. The, the, uh, so the, the, the uh, angiotensin receptor blockers <clears throat> and antihistamines uh, and aspirin uh, were known uh, way back 10 or 15 years ago to protect against the toxic effects of the uh, spike protein. Uh, the, the toxicity of that protein uh, has has been uh, studied uh, now for a long time, uh, and so the Chinese were the uh, among the first uh, to realize that uh, angiotensin receptor blockers, antihistamines, and and aspirin, simply by being anti-inflammatory, uh, were the first uh, things to re- resort to. So does the mRNA that's in the vaccine, does it uh, use the same mechanism through the ACE2 enzyme to get inside of the cell? Uh, uh, Well, once you get the uh, RNA in, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, free RNA that comes into you uh, after being shed by someone who was vaccinated uh, it most likely is is either in an exosome form or, or as free uh, RNA coming out of their uh, breath and skin and saliva uh, and getting into your system. So what I'm getting at is there is no way to prevent the mRNA uh, present in the vaccine from getting inside of the cell, similar to how we can prevent the virus from getting inside of the cell, the wild virus, by giving something like losartan or Anything that blocks that specific entry pathway? Uh, nothing I know of. Uh, they are, they are using a, a lipid uh, for getting the RNA quickly into the cells, but uh, uh, other studies show that uh, you don't really need the lipid. Uh, it will, will be taken up even in the naked RNA form, uh, and uh, uh, that's just a tendency of cells is, is to. Uh, take up circulating molecules uh, and 
sometimes they can be uh, either assimilated or destroyed. Uh, but the, uh, the this particular fat happens to uh, take the highest concentration uh, in the ovaries, uh, but distributes it in the uh, every kind of cell in the body. I'm moving a house in November, and I found a place that I really liked, and we were doing all the paperwork. And the the owner was like, uh, "Can you send me your vaccine papers?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, there's no no way that's going to happen." And they're like, "Oh yeah, you, you can't move in there." I was like, "Oh great." <laughs> in Mexico, in, uh, is a, a, gring, a, gr- in Mexico? a gringo owned the house, and so it's not oh. a. But it's just a sign of times, a sign of the future, I guess, or things that come. There's a very very interesting, entertaining situation. Okay, right, we're going to say something, right? No. Okay. Okay. Ray, Pete, thank you so much. Stay on the line for just one minute, Ray. Georgie Dinkov, thank you so much. Is there uh, any parting words, Ray? Nope. And Georgie Dinkov, any parting words? Uh, Well, I guess uh, (laughs) (laughs) to me, the Appalachians start looking more and more attractive. (laughs) If it's extremely rural and poor and has no internet and no cell phone service, I think it should be considered. Guys, we have an amazing audience. I sincerely appreciate it. I get so many positive messages about these sh- these shows. They're so fun to do. Took a lot of work. Uh, thank you so much, Ray, for making these uh, so special whenever you're on. Thank you so much, Georgie, my par- partner in crime. And thank you for the amazing, amazing audience. Give this episode a like. Subscribe to the Substack or fo- follow the show in some way, shape, or form. And then also send all those donations to Ray. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, have an amazing, w- amazing weekend. And we'll see you sometime next month. Okay, bye, everyone.